In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. guys she was not talking about you uh, at all you guys are the opposite of toxic welcome to so bad it's good with ryan bailey i am ryan bailey it is thursday we are one day away from that sweet sweet weekend um and i gotta i'm ready for it you guys i don't know if you listened to was it monday's episode it all blurs but i i started that detox it's this uh thing called prolon and so i have 
been um, drinking. Uh, I, I've had like little little uh, soup, like soup and crackers. It's it's hard to explain. Um, no alcohol, no sugar, no dairy, nothing. And I'm on. This is night three, and uh, you know, I want to die. I if you see me, just tackle me and send me on my way. I can't do this, guys. I can't. There be a service of some sort. If any of you guys or girls know about this, let me know where. You just pay, like, you just, wouldn't it be so cool if you're, just hear me out, if your body could just, when it sleeps, like, there's, like, magical elves or something that, like, moves your limbs and gives you eight hours of a workout while you get eight hours of sleep, because there's just not enough time to diet and exercise the way I need to. I'm starting to get a real <laughs> podcaster's body. Uh, yeah, it's hot. Yeah, of course it is. Um, but I'm on day three of this. I got two more days to go. And I can do this. I'm fine. I'm good with this. I like being told what to eat, what to do. All I'm, I'm a, I, I'm a, I'm great at taking orders. It just sucks because sometimes it's just so much better to like eat the food you want, drink the drinks you want. But I've had plenty of those moments. I keep telling myself, you guys, uh, we have, I think, a legend today. Um, she might be controversial to some because I feel like we're still in this. Uh, <sighs> This, this, you know what? It's Monique Samuels, uh, former cast member of Real Housewives of Potomac. We, uh, we argued about her and Candace all last season, and I did recaps every week. I think I did them on the Patreon, and I did some here on the main feed. And a lot of you guys know where I stand, but I want to say going into this, just keep your mind. Here's the deal. I was hoping to get, I was hoping to mend fences. I was hoping to mend everything. What, I was hoping to br- build bridges and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But, uh, but I will say Monique was just as fabulous, amazing, funny, smart as I thought she would be. Uh, I got to tell you just, you know, I, I try to be as open with you about these interviews as possible. And, you know, you get nervous for something like I, I really, really like Monique a lot. I like Chris Samuels. I like her kids. I like rest in peace T'Challa, who, by the way, we talk about. Um, and, I, you know, going into these things, I get nervous. You guys, I tell you, I get nervous because I want to do good, not just for you guys, but for myself and for the guests, especially. I want to be able to plug their product or products. I want to be able to um, uh, ask interesting questions. And I, I hope. I can get them to open up a little bit and and tell us some dirt, you know, tell us what they were actually thinking. And Monique did all of that. She was so cool, man. And, you know, it's just like I was talking about with um, with Joe De La Rosa from Real Housewives of Orange County. Great interview yesterday. I mean, she did. I mean, she just was so open and honest and normal. And, you know, it's just like you can tell the difference of those. And it was really cute. Monique, like she's uh, at a family member's house in Florida and she was setting up there. And it was just really I mean, you just got the sense of a very real person. And, um, so she is very honest about her feelings on a lot of things. She gave us 45 minutes, which is a lot for somebody, uh, like her. So I, I was so appreciative, uh, but you know, I'm not looking to, um, uh, you know, start any wars with this interview. Like I'm not, I will say I got, you know, I'm not. I want everybody to be friends at the end of the day. I have my personal feelings about the matter that happened, and I've said it many, many times. And I know a lot of people have opposite feelings of me, but that's okay. 
That's what Bravo fans, you know, it, it's okay to have different opinions. That's what America's all about. Um, but we can't let it tear us apart. We got to be able to then still listen to the other person. In fact, I'm actually enjoying Candace uh, here and there this season. Like, you know, I, I, I am trying my best to move on. And I told Monique in this interview that I have still not forgiven her for not coming back this season. And we get to talk all about that. And also, the dink. She obviously doesn't need the show. She has like four things going. She's she wrote a book on uh, potty training, which uh, a children's book, obviously. But I I will say that it did teach me how to finally go. Did you guys know you had to sit down to do some of this stuff? I had this is the first this book changed my life. <laughs> but most importantly, we just had some laughs and stuff. And I was just so and I hope you guys dig it. I really, really do. Um, I want to do a couple news stories before we get into that and i'm gonna do i was about to do this but then i was like this is so silly that i'm gonna wait till next week because i'm not gonna do this before uh somebody like monique but i want to do a scene-by-scene breakdown of the new she's all that trailer with addison ray uh, that's gonna be on netflix at the end of this month they just released the first trailer and i just have some thoughts on it and i want to compare it to the old she's all that movie if you guys haven't seen you guys obviously have seen it from 1999 with freddie prince jr and um uh and what's her name not rachel bilson but who's the girl Dang, I can't. But anyways, the girl from the original She's All That is playing Addison Ray's mom in this one. I mean, really, this lately pop culture is just kicking me in the nuts about how old I'm getting. Like all of a sudden I'm like, what? She's playing the mom? Like I was like kind of like laughing at the preview and all of a sudden she showed up as the mom and I just got like just stone faced. And I just shut my computer and walked away. <laughs> um, you guys, I want to give a huge shout out to friend of the pod Rihanna you guys get this Rihanna has just become a billionaire today she is now worth 1.7 billion making her the richest female musician in the world isn't that amazing that is just of course uh, mainly this is from her Fenty line um, and I She's also sold 250 million records globally, so that helps. But Fenty Beauty launched in only 2017. Can you believe that? It's only been around for four years. I hope that, see, that gives me hope too, because, well, this, like, we've been, like, doing this a year and a half or something like that. I'm, I'm only still a thousandaire, but I figure in two and a half years, I will reach some kind of billionaire status. But, um, so the, uh, this article from Forbes, you know, Fenty Beauty launched in 2017 with a message of inclusivity. The makeup brand has more than 50 shades of foundation, often modeled by a diverse group. The brand is a 50-50 joint venture with luxury goods conglomerate LVMH, run by the world's richest person, Bernard, Bernard Arnault. A-R-N-A-U-L-T. Forbes estimates that as much as $1.4 billion of the artist's wealth comes from Fenty Beauty. So 300 million from the music, 1.4 billion dollars from Fenty Beauty. And you guys wonder why she's not rushing an album. She doesn't need to do an album. Like we might have lost our chance at a Rihanna album even though we're hearing rumors that I think a Rihanna album actually is imminent. We uh, saw her on a music video shoot uh, and there's been a couple Demois blinds. In fact, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Drake is supposed to be dropping an album this Friday or next Friday uh, as well. 
so he can finally take that stupid heart that he has shaved in on his head away. Um, but can you 1.4 billion? That's what I'm saying. Like if I was Rihanna, I would never step foot on a stage again. You know what a pain in the butt it's probably going to be to like do all those music festivals and like it's got to be fun a little bit. But you're telling me I can just sit at home and watch Real Housewives, which we know Rihanna does. Like that seems you're telling me 1.4 billion and I just I do the, the makeup stuff like my God, that is so cool. Can you imagine that? Just 2017. So Fenty Skin has also been a hit despite launching in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. In its annual report, LVMH said the brand generated unprecedented buzz during the pandemic and is off to a very promising start. Rihanna has also found success in the lingerie industry. Ooh la la. Her Savage Times Fenty line raised $150 million in funding with a $1 billion valuation earlier this year. The brand launched in 2018 as a joint venture between Rihanna and Textile Fashion Group, but quickly raised capital from investors including rappers, rapper Jay-Z's venture firm, Marcy Venture Partners, LLC, and Avenue Growth Capital. You know, that's another thing. We haven't seen Jay-Z uh, with an album in a while, and as well as Beyonce, but we always hear them buying, like, you know, uh, million-dollar cars and mansions and things like that. Jay-Z has his own venture capitalist group now. Like, that's wild. We, I mean, Jay-Z never, I mean, it is so awesome, and I don't know why because it doesn't affect me at all, but it is so cool to watch people like Rihanna and Jay-Z become insanely wealthy because I think at their hearts, they're really good people that do really amazing things with their wealth. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'm sure I'll get mail if, if, uh, if I am, but I just think it's like really cool when these kind of things work because on the other hand, just to compare it to, you have Kylie Jenner with Kylie cosmetics or KKW beauty with Kim and you know, whatever you think about the Kardashians, Kylie is not a Rihanna or a Jay-Z, right? I mean, the rap on the Kardashians are they got famous for being famous, right? And that's a little unfair, but I understand that point. But Jay-Z and Rihanna got famous for a talent. So it's really exciting, I think, when then business moves that they make are smart business moves. You know how many crappy business moves artists make? You remember when Kendall Jenner tried to sell Pepsi to us? Do you remember? I mean, I I think there's so many bad choices that celebrities make that affect their money and they lose a lot of their money. So then eventually when they're 50, they regret buying all the Lambos when they were younger. And I think this is just awesome. I was very excited, except that I got a little defensive because if you know me, I'm a Beyonce man. I'm a Beyonce. I'm a I'm a bay gay bay guy. Sorry, bay guy. Not big, big gay, big guy. I'm a big guy, Beyonce guy, big Beyonce fan. Have I ever told you about the, t- oh, you know what? I don't want to keep this going, but I, well, okay. Did I ever tell you guys about the time I went and saw Beyonce by myself at Ro- the Rose Bowl? So I was, uh, I was with my ex at the time and it was that Saturday. Okay. And she was playing the Rose Bowl and I was seeing all like these posts about it. And it was, you know, Lemonade, the album just meant so much to me. And I just thought it was so amazing. And Beyonce, just such an amazing, incredible, incredible performer. I had seen her two times before um, and I was just enamored. And Saturday comes and I was just like, it's going to kill me to see every all these people at the Rose Bowl knowing that I'm in the same state as Beyonce and I am not out there to support her. 
and I go to StubHub, right? And I had done this before at StubHub where like, you know, right before the concert, if you're in the area, you'll see people start to like, just like lower the price on StubHub way low. I've done this for, you know, <laughs> I've done this for like shittier artists. So it always worked. So I told my ex, I said, hey, do you mind if I go to Beyonce and just try to get tickets? Just sit at a bar, try to get tickets. And she was like, as long as you don't make me go, I'm fine. She did not like Beyonce. How do you not like Beyonce? So she lets me go. So I go. I set up shop around like three, right? Having a beer. And then my 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 good friends, Dusty and Andrea. Andrea, if you're listening, hi, hello. Your baby is beautiful. Um, they come to meet me for a beer. And then we have a couple beers, maybe a shot. And then all of a sudden, it became a good idea for them to go as well. The only problem, folks is that the prices started getting more expensive instead of going down. And it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then all of a sudden it was like, all I'm saying is that I spent way too much money on a Beyonce ticket, way too much money. And, um, but it's Beyonce. And also if you have a couple beers and you, you do stupid idiotic things, but I will say in the end, it wasn't a stupid idiotic thing. It just, you know, it's, I don't have kids. It's fine. Um, so we, 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 at the last minute get tickets and then all of a sudden we had, we picked a bar that was close to the Rose bowl. So we all, so they decided to go with me too. So all three of us and guys, we got floor, we, we got, we went for the floor seats. Cause you gotta be on the floor for Beyonce. You gotta, you gotta be on at a stadium show. I mean, you don't have to, cause she actually puts on such a great show that it travels wherever you are in the stadium. Can you tell I like Beyonce? Sorry, Ron. I'm talking about Beyonce for a sec. Um, and we're on the like we get in right when like the opening act was uh DJ Khaled which by the way do you remember I used to go I used to follow DJ Khaled's Snapchat he always he still makes me laugh he's so silly and he would just amp up the crowd by playing like old school hip hop hits but he brought out Snoop Dogg um for his set and imagine walking in to uh to, to Snoop you know what, imagine what I remember walking in and it was like sipping on gin and juice. And I was, I've never, you know, those moments in life when you are just so happy when not that you're not thinking about Sunday or the Friday before or any of your relationships or you're just on pure cloud nine joy. And you know, for the next two hours, you just have a show to see. And I was just so happy. And we, we got out there in time to see the end of DJ Khaled and then Beyonce. And it was, we, we were so close. I mean, they, there was like a, a dance stuff where water, they were dancing in water. You could feel the water splashing on our faces. Um, the only thing that sucked was that I had started there in the day and I'd had these, I got these as a gift. I was really proud of these, these Ray-Ban sunglasses, black Ray-Ban sunglasses that I had. I was so in love with them. And I guess I was, I tucked him in my shirt um, like a cool guy and I was jumping up and down so hard at the concert. Like I was like, I don't really know how to dance, but what I'll do is I'll jump really high. I'll jump really high. And that's kind of like dancing. <laughs> and uh, I just kept jumping really high. And I guess at some point I must've jumped high and like my nice Ray-Ban sunglasses fell off and it was 
so sad, but it was Beyonce. So I was out a lot of money, but I got to see pure art and she was so amazing. Just like I'm sure Rihanna to bring it back would be, wouldn't it be amazing if one day Rihanna shows up on the pod? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, how crazy am I, as I'm, am I thinking right now? So Rihanna, we know loves Bravo. Who like, what's to say? Like, what if Rihanna probably has the same Apple podcast that we do? Like, what if she's just looking like, uh, I want to, I want to hear, I want to, I want to hear about Erica Jane. Like I'm Erica Jane. <laughs> I want to hear somebody bitch about Erica Jane. And then she's like, Oh, what is this so bad? It's good. It seems to be all Bravo. Rihanna potentially could listen to this, but I'm sure she would listen to like Danny Pellegrino or something, but, but possibly, right. And would it be cool then if you then called and she's like, right, I don't know how to do Rihanna's voice, but Ryan, I'd love to show up on your podcast and surprise people. And then all of a sudden, what if it was right now? What if I, what if I put her on right now? Would you freak out? Rihanna, do you want to say anything to anybody? Oh my God. Did anybody believe it? That would be awesome though. Right. Wouldn't I go down in history if that actually happened? Damn it. If anybody knows Rihanna, could we make that happen at all? So anyways, Rihanna, congratulations on being a billionaire. Um, uh, As we get to Monique right now, uh, I also want to say how excited I am to do my Real Housewives of Beverly Hills recap on Friday. Did you guys watch tonight? I was thinking about you guys the whole time. I was like, these guys are going to freak you. I mean, like when we got to that very end with Garcelle, you know, and she she was like, you're going to bust me out in front of everybody. Fine. Have your moment, Garcelle. Like, <laughs> have your moment, Garcelle. And Sutton was like, I own two minor league teams. i say, i say um, it was miraculous i was infuriated i was happy i was all the joys that you should all the emotions you should go through watching a good bravo show so that will be on friday i'm going to record it after i had since i'll still be detoxing i'm going to be able to have coffee so i'm going to just chug a bunch of coffee and i'm going to come in hot you guys i'm warning you if you don't want to if you don't want to come match my energy then i'll see you next week then this will be the last episode of the week for you but if you want to come and party our balls off together we're going to do that on Friday on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills recap, okay? Monique, if you're listening, I'm so sorry that I said part of your balls off. Um, okay, now to Monique. I've been silly enough. Monique Samuels, former Real Housewives of Potomac cast member, seasons two through five. And remember, she did. She could have come back for season six if she wanted to. And we talk about the reasons why she didn't. We also talk about her, um, uh, her, her uh, writing her essential oil collection. Yeah, yeah. She did it before Wendy, you guys. Wendy did as a candle. Monique does essential oils. As well as Not For Lazy Moms, the uh, the brand and the podcast we talk about. And of course, we talk about uh, binder time stories on her YouTube channel, which I'll play a clip from here in a second. Uh, but I also, I didn't get to tell her this, and it really uh, bummed me out that I didn't. I had like... 8 billion more questions. So she said she'd come back, which would be awesome. But I, I just wanted to say something that really had moved me and I res- resonated with me. In season five, I, I believe she was having a conversation with uh, with Chris or maybe it was Karen. I, but she was talking about all, you know, putting uh, tr- your troubles in boxes, you know, that she she's just really good at putting things in boxes and, and stacking them away on a shelf. 
So, you know, oh, my stuff with Chris over here, my stuff with Candace over here, my stuff. But then she kind of made the point of like one of these days, one of those is going to topple over and it's all going to, you know, all this stuff that I've just been putting on a shelf and hiding from is all going to come out. And that sentiment made so much sense to me. And I think we all, a lot of us do that all the time, right? We like just, like just throw our problems away. We're really good at, um, compartmentalizing our our pain and our issues so i didn't get to say that but i just thought that was the the best uh way to explain what a lot of us go through but uh here she is ladies and gentlemen i'm going to play a small clip from binder time stories on her youtube channel you can find all that information on the uh, description of the pod and then right after that we're going into uh somebody that i love monique samuels once upon a time in a faraway land A binder was created, a huge key to a plan. The plan was to have receipts in order to back up the truth. People love to lie and gossip, but the binder holds actual proof. I'll share some binder time riddles where the truth is nicely hidden. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, today, welcome back to iHeartRadio, So Bad It's Good. We have a guest today that's so good, it's great. Uh, this is somebody I've wanted to talk to forever. If you guys listen to any of my Potomac recaps, you know how much I love this next guest. Let me just list a couple of the things she's even working on now before we get to even what you might know her from. She's recently launched a line of 100% pure therapeutic essential oils, the Mila Eve Essentials. She's the CEO of Not For Lazy Moms, which is a multi platform media company that provides a destination and online community for resourceful women. She has a new potty training book, Potty Training Mommy and Daddy. And you guys might've heard of this one, a new three-part series, Binder Time Stories on her Tea with Monique YouTube channel. I just, I watched all of these. I don't even watch the behind the scenes. It's like almost like Lord of the Rings almost. But anyways, she does so much. Uh, but of course you might know her from a little show called Real Housewives of Potomac. Monique Samuels, welcome to the show. Wow. Thank you. What an intro. (laughs) I could keep going. I mean, really, this is such an honor. Um, uh, I've been researching you, which is already kind of new from the show, but I I can't believe you you have such a really kind of rich history, but the not for lazy moms. I was, uh, I always laughed last season because you did a lot of podcasting uh, storyline. And I think you said at some point you spent like $40,000 or $20,000 on a podcast. And I was like, Monique, I'll do it for you for like $500. I remember that scene. (laughs) Well, what they didn't tell you was I wasn't talking about the actual podcast itself. So part of not for lazy moms is putting on live events. Yeah. So that's what it was. It was literally like a whole live production. We would actually have a band, we would have, you know, giveaways. And it was like a three hour show that we were putting on. And that was our third one. So I was talking about the expenses that we've spent for not just the podcast, but the whole company in itself, legal fees from start to finish. That was like four years worth of uh, (laughs) of costs. So of course they don't tell you that because they want no, me I to just, be like I, I remember Chris's I don't know face. How to operate right, right. <laughs> I'm like they they love to make everything look like more than what it is. But uh, I'm a person who's very financially responsible and aware. Uh, I'm always looking for savings and the best way to do things without spending so much. Um, so that was just from 
payroll to everything for four years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was like, um, like $120,000 that I had spent so far on like 20 different things, not just the podcast, which is very free. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, I mean, I, I wish it uh, brought in tons of money and it was very expensive, but it's actually uh, not as expensive, but the live shows I'm sure are very costly. And unfortunately with the pandemic, you guys have not really probably been able to do a lot of those. Is that right? Exactly. So we were able to do our YouTube channel and have the podcast where we, you could see it visually. Um, so that was fun. And we did it right from home and we were safe and everything. And we actually just did our first live event at uh, Kendra Scott in Reston, Virginia. We did a location event with them where I did a book signing finally since I launched my book during COVID. Um, so that was really fun. We kept it at 30 people. Um, it was very nice. And, and then we did a 15 minute live discussion with my husband and I. Um, so yeah, so now we're going to look more towards doing these like quick pop-up events, which are yeah. easier to set up, less costly, great partnerships with different people. And then we still have such a good time. Well, I mean, I got to say for all of us Bravo fans, we we sure miss the heck out of you. And uh, I'm so excited to be seeing you today. But speaking of the pandemic and not for lazy moms, I was talking to um, a lot of my Patreon subscribers and listeners when they knew you were coming on. And a lot of young mothers out there is what like, you know, during the pandemic, you have three, three beautiful children. What kind of like what things did you realize that, or what, I mean, how did you even approach something so difficult as a pandemic and so many moms have been through, I mean, what did you realize through the pandemic on like how to even make it through and be productive at the same time? Well, as people know from watching the show, I am a person who enjoys having control over everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so no, I, I don't notice that yet. <laughs> I had to develop the mindset of, you know what? I can only control what I can't control. And when you have three kids who are very antsy, very energetic, um, you just you can control what you can. So what I did was I just tried to have some fun things to do every day. Now I'm home. I have the time to do it. So I made sure that we kept them busy. Um, we would do arts and craft projects or we would sit outside in the sun and sun gaze. And I would explain to them why this is so healthy and get them away from the iPad, you know. So it was just. <laughs> Yeah, it was just a lot of uh, just spending time outdoors as much as possible, but also keeping their minds busy and keeping their routine so that they still go to bed at the same time. And then me and my husband are able to have our time after they go to bed around eight or nine o'clock. Now we have our piece and we would watch Netflix and have a glass of wine and wind down. And that was the first thing that I purchased while everybody was running to the store for toilet paper. I called the wine vineyards and I ordered cases of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's cases, full cases of cases. wine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We always see in the housewife shows, I always talk about this in terms of relationships. And I thought you and uh, uh, Chris, Mr. Samuels, uh, seemed like that you guys had a real relationship, like you just said, where you guys probably, it seemed like you do binge Netflix together. I always talk about, I'm like, did Erica Jane and Tom Girardi ever like sit in bed and just watch Netflix? I was like, I don't see it. But with you guys, I saw it. And you guys have been together like 16 years. And I think you're celebrating your 10-year wedding anniversary next year. Yes. I mean- was the pandemic helpful for a relationship? I know some relationships are completely tore apart. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you. So here's what happens during the pandemic. When you're married, you start <laughs> to focus 
on everything that you basically let go because you're too busy to pay attention to it. So that's when everything starts to irritate you. And it's like, wait, you still do that? You still take off your clothes and leave a train of laundry as you leave to the bathroom? Like you still do that? I didn't even realize it, you know? So during the pandemic, it was just like, okay, we both were getting on each other's nerves. And then we said, you know what? This would be a great time for us to start marriage counseling virtually. We have the time. We can get down to the bottom of things that we didn't even realize irritated us. And it was the best for our marriage because we we had the time to put in that extra time for it. So we spent our quarantine doing weekly marriage sessions. Um, we were also doing counseling one-on-one with our therapist. Dang. Nice. Cause it was, it was able to like really get to the root of some issues that were causing other issues, you know? So communication issues or just, um, you know, every now and then you have like my husband, he's a very confident, strong man, but there's times where he looks at me and says, wow, she does everything and she's superwoman. So, oh, I'll just let her have it. And I'm just like, no, that's too much pressure. So we would sit down and have these deep conversations and actually fix them and figure out a way to move forward. So it was it was actually a very annoying thing at first, but it turned into a very it turned into a very beautiful thing down the road because it made more peace between us in areas that we didn't realize we didn't have peace. Did you have to drag him kicking and screaming or was he a willing participant? I know a lot of guys sometimes get a little uh, antsy around. I've been in therapy for years, but I, I'm a, I think it, I, I talked to some of my guy friends. They're like, ah, I'm good. I'll figure it out. You know? Yeah. Fortunately, my husband is very open and has always been open to counseling. We would normally like counsel with like a pack pastor or things like that. But this time we said, you know what, we're going to seek out someone who's actually a therapist and this is what they do full time and keep a consistent routine. And my husband loved it. He realized that it was good for him. Um, It was very eye opening for him because, you know, he thinks he's God's gifts to the world. He's perfect. You know, we've seen him. We've seen seen him. We've seen him. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So Mr. Mr. Perfect, Chris, listen, he had his moments where he had to sit back and say, okay, I guess I can do a little bit more. Um, I tell him all the time, he's a spoiled ex-athlete. So, you know, I'm like, dude, like you, you're, you're doing the basics of things that should be done as a father and a husband and you want a cookie for it. And I'm not doing it. (laughs) That was, that was amazing. Last season, even you kind of touched on that a little bit of like, you know, uh, you know, there was some, like when you are that successful and that, uh, you know, I guess highly compensated for such a a talent, you know, you're used to things going your way. And sometimes with a relationship, you know, it's hard to share that spotlight. And it was a very interesting, I, I, I wish I could see you guys continue to develop your relationship on TV because you, you really sensed a real love there at the end of the day, even though his voice scares the hell out of me still. It's the deepest voice I've ever heard in my life. And I can't imagine if he was my dad, if I got in trouble, like I just, it would, it would freak me out. Um, kids look at him and laugh. (laughs) um, So, you know, you're, you're known for, you'll never be put in a box. You are the whole dang package. Do you always feel that way? I mean, like, I feel like I've had a, a lot of us have had a real rough go of it this last year. I mean, you seem right now just shining, uh, beautiful, positive. Were you like this this entire time? And especially coming off the tail end of Potomac and how uh, stressful and divisive that got at times. And even with the Bravo audience, I mean, we still argue about this back and forth. Yeah. Do you still feel like you're the whole dang package all the time? 
I definitely do. But I will admit there were times where it was very rough, you know, especially when, you know, that's the thing about reality TV, you know, the full story. So when you're sitting back watching a certain narrative being um, casted out to people and then people are making their judgments based off of what they see, sometimes it can be very difficult to just remind yourself, like, you know what, they don't know the full story, so they can only go off what they're given. And then you just have to be comfortable with that and settle with that. But it was very rough. I mean, 2020 was no joke on so many different levels. I feel like it was one of my roughest years, like a lot of people. But personally, it was a year of growth for me. And most times when we're growing is when we have the most difficulties. That's when we have the most criticism. But I always try to relate it to when you're working out at the gym. You know, when you're trying to get in shape, you go to the gym and then you start working out and then your muscles are sore. You're aching, you're in pain because your muscles have to tear down in order to rebuild. But then down the road, you'll see how much better you look, how much stronger, how much more energy you have. And then you'll say, you know what? It took a lot of tearing, but look where I am now. I'm whole and I'm better than I was before. So that's what 2020 was for me. And it really taught me a lot about myself and how to maintain peace and only look towards peace within myself and peace with the universe and with God, the creator, whoever it is that a person looks up to. But that's what's most important. And when you have that peace, nothing on the outside can really shake that. So it was a learning curve for me, for sure. Yeah, I was just talking about that this week, that everything that seems to be worthwhile in life is tough. You know, like everything is, you know, it's even just basic things like going to the gym. Don't want to do it after you go to the gym. Thank God I did it. You know, everything from relationships to the simplest things. And that's why it actually like you, you earn self-respect by doing the hard things and putting yourself through uh, emotional times and coming out on the other end, even stronger. Um, Do you, uh, I guess like, I will never forgive you for not doing another season. Like I will, I, I, and, but this was from your own volition. You chose to remove yourself from this situation. Looking back as you have had time to think, are there ever any regrets about that? Is the door always open for you? I, I just personally was like, damn that. And I remember you doing it over the live or mentioning it on the live after the second or third reunion. And I was, I was just, uh, you know, it was like, I need, I needed you to be, you know, it was like, it was a tough year. And I was like, damn it. I needed her to be there. Like not realizing that was probably for your own life and benefit to pull yourself out. But I wanted you there and we wanted you there. Do you have any regrets? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, when I tell you if there was a regret, it would be because I let down the people who support me on the show and they want me there. But when it came down to it, it became bigger than the show. When you're being treated a certain type of way, even behind the scenes, it's like, yeah, you know what? I think I've expired here. I think I need to move on because if I can't even get respect from the network or the production company that's supposed to be that comfort for me so that I can perform and be on the show, then what am I here for? It's one thing to fight the women. I can fight them all day long. I can have an argument all day long. But when you start receiving disrespect blatantly behind the scenes, that's when you know, it's like, whoa, you know what? Too much is adding up. And maybe they just don't like me personally. I don't know what it is, but you don't treat a human being this way. Sorry, guys, I have to break in for a commercial right now, but isn't she great? I'll, you know, we'll be back in like two minutes. 
Guys, it's your old... Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I gotta tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen in shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Friend Ryan, you did not start the pot over again. It is commercial time, but also a commercial for a brand that I am proud to represent, and that is Dame. So we've talked about on this show before that we should definitely seek out what's right for us, not compromise on what is most important. Now, our relationships, they should add value to our lives, especially in the bedroom, right? So why don't we think the same way about our sex toys? Now, Dame Products, this is why this company is cool. It is a women, a woman-owned sex toy company. They're making the next generation of vulva-tested, vulva-approved vibrators. I've said vulva way too many times already. So it's founded by a sex educator and an engineering whiz. Dame develops toys with the help of real humans and couples like you. They're closing the pleasure gap and helping the world one vulva at a time. So their vibrators and accessories are made with medical grade silicone, smart design principles, and lots of love, earning glowing press from the New York Times, W Magazine, and many more. So whether you're a couple looking for an extra boost where it matters or on a journey of self-exploration, which is a very valid journey, by the way, and everybody should have a journey of self-exploration at some point. But we are sure here at So Bad It's Good that they will earn a spot on your nightstand. Now, I personally recommend the Ava. It's a couple's vibrator giving you clitoral stimulation during penetrative sex. It's flexible wings tuck under your labia for a snug fit. And the best part, Dame offers hassle-free returns within 60 days. So your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. Listen to that, okay? Like, really, 60 days Satisfaction guaranteed. That's a huge thing, hassle-free returns. So go to dameproducts.com, D-A-M-E products.com forward slash so bad today for 15% off site-wide. Again, go to dameproducts.com forward slash so bad today for 15% off site-wide. Even if you don't buy something, folks, 
go use my little www address and see if you like something on there. You never know, right? You never know. And I will tell you the last time that this commercial uh, was on uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple people bought products and they said they're really good. And I, I, I have a product um, that I guess, guess I'm waiting for the uh, right person to break it in with. <laughs> fake it in with but you guys this is the real deal this is a real company they seem to be doing it the right way and i think it's really cool that a woman uh founded this and then it's run by women you can't have better than that women know what women want so okay i have talked about this way too much mom if you're listening i got you one too mom back to monique and that's when i knew i had to exit for the betterment of me and my family we're not privy to a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. So we're just aware of what, you know, and that even seemed tough. Um, but going into that reunion, I mean, I felt like that was the Super Bowl in some ways. I mean, when you go in there, I mean, and of course, you know, you guys, the YouTube thing, which I'm going to put the link, she does have a three-part binder time, which is actually this really kind of, she does it in this like almost fairy tale way where it's like completely produced. It's like all costumes, like, like edited music. I mean, this is like a full on movie that you guys produced and it's like completely written. Um, when you go into a reunion and like, when is the idea of, cause now your binder is like sort of famous in Bravo history. Is it true? <laughs> did, wait, did you burn the real binder in the, you, she throws the binder. I don't want to spoil <laughs> the binder in the fire at the end. And she has got to do a bunch of takes, but I'm like, that wasn't the real binder, right? You have the real binder. So. Yeah. I still, that was a copy. <laughs> okay, thank, thank God. I was like, if you stole that binder, I was like, I'm going to go pull out the remnants in that fire pit. Cause that is like Bravo history. And I know that might seem silly to somebody that's not on Bravo, but you pulled out history and now people are copying you at reunions. I don't know. Oh if you my saw the OC reunion, But what's the idea? What was the idea in your head or how like about the binder and like, how soon did you start preparing the binder once you found out the date for the reunion? Okay. So the binder was something that's something that I do all the time. I didn't think it was going to be as big of a deal as it was, because if you go to my home, um, I actually did this on my YouTube channel. I gave everybody the whole behind the scenes, but I showed an image of my office. I have a binder for like everything. (laughs) Like I'm very very old school. I'm like, I get the computers and the electronics and all of that, but I love to have a hard copy of everything because that's just how I am. That's how I've always been. And I'm an organized person. So when I started thinking about the reunion, I said, you know what? All of these women are coming with lies. They're literally making up this stuff for the show. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go through every email, every text message, everything that I have that I know is a fact, and I'm going to print it out and I'm going to put it in a binder and have tabs for everybody, including myself. And I'm going to show facts behind everything that I say. I'm not going to just say anything off the cuff. If I say it out of my mouth, here's the written proof behind what I say. So that was the whole uh, idea behind the binder. And then uh, I actually prepared it the night before I left for the reunion. So oh, really, it, this wasn't in the yeah. works for like months and months and months. Yeah, I was just not at all. Not at all. Did the producers know you were bringing a binder with you? And I mean, was it? And did the ladies? I mean, we saw their reactions, but like, does everybody look at you coming out with a binder and like, oh shit, oh? Listen, I learned after doing Housewives for four years. After seeing how the reunions play out, after seeing how even the show plays out, you don't tell production a damn thing. (laughs) So I didn't tell anybody. I was like, because 
what I started to see was that some people were getting details about other casts that they should not be privy to. You know, if you're going to be producing a show, you should not be giving side information to any of the cast members. Let it be real and let it be natural. So when they already know what's coming, because somebody in production might have told them, then there's no element of surprise. So I said, you know what? I'm a surprise all these suckers. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, do you... I mean, do you still talk to anybody? Do you talk to Karen? Do you talk to, I mean, do you do you stay in contact with anybody or is it just everybody yes. is in a box? Yes, I actually talk to Ashley the most out of everybody and I stay in touch with her and Karen only. Um, they were the only two that have literally been real um, since I've been a part of the show, honestly. Me and Ashley had our issues of um, season three, but we were able to work that out and move forward and we were able to create a genuine friendship not just on camera, but also off camera. So um, we talked through text message or sometimes Instagram. We've talked on the phone. Um, Ashley has been a great support. She's had my back in more ways than you can imagine. Um, You know, even some things that she's done for me and, and has literally rode for me that I didn't even know about are coming to me. And I'm like, wow, Ashley is a true ride or die. So I'm super grateful for her um, and her support. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's nice to know that it, at least when I walked away, I was able to maintain some genuine friendships with uh, two of the ladies. <laughs> well, yeah, I think Karen's a legend and that's, you know, um, does, does, does big Chris miss little Chris or any of the guys? Cause they had a good guy dynamic. I, if, I don't know if you watched every episode, but when all the guys got together, it was like a fun, uh, I mean, I always just love how guys, nothing, it's just unimportant. You know, it's like, even at the end yeah. of the reunion, big Chris and little Chris were just like, Okay, man. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see you around, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Chris is, my husband is the type of person that can get along with any and everybody. I'm talking about any, he's just a great guy. So, um, but no, he does not maintain any relationship with any of those men from the show at all. <laughs> like literally, he's not talked to any one of them. So, um, and it's, it's not because he doesn't like them or anything like that. That's just, it's just how it is. Um, If there's something worth maintaining, then it would be maintained and it has to be both ways. So for my husband, he's like, we've moved on and and he's good. And and that's what it is. Now you did uh, do something uh, very productive where you actually wrote a book, uh, a potty training book, potty training mommy and daddy. Now I don't have a child, but this actually taught me how to go to the bathroom, which was amazing. (laughs) Uh, uh, So where did this idea come from? Why do you think this was necessary? And, and what was the evolution of it? Yeah. So I started potty training all three of my kids as soon as they were able to sit up. So it was an introduction to the potty before they could get to that point in life where they realized that they were actually going on themselves. And then it's like, hey, you've been pooping and peeing yourself for two years. Now it's time to do it on the potty. And they're looking at you like, what? No, I'm, I'm going to do it on myself. This is what's comfortable. <laughs> and then us as parents, we'll sit back and look at them and say, well, where'd you get an idea like that? Why are you pissing and pooping yourselves? That's disgusting. <laughs> um, yeah, you let me do it for two or three years. So my idea was to start as soon as they're able to sit up, you make that introduction. Therefore, you take away the fear and the misunderstanding about using the potty. So I did it with all three of my kids. They were all potty trained by the time they were one year old. And it wow. really worked. And people always ask, how did you do it? 
you know, and I said, you know what, I'm going to detail it in this book. And I give you the three different journeys because kids are so different. They catch on differently. And I basically give you the three different journeys about each of each of my kids when it came to potty training them and making that introduction and not putting pressure on them. It's simply introduction. My kids have never been afraid of the potty. They have never been confused as to what it's for. They handle their business. They get up and that's what it is. Um, so, but the, to this day, you know, kids are going to be kids. You always have to ask them like, Hey, do you have to go? You don't leave them fully in charge of their bladder because then they'll hold it. So they can't hold it anymore. <laughs> Wait, do you, I, I remember my parents had to like bribe me with a toy. I remember this as a kid. Is that any part of a tactic for that at all? You're like, no, there's no toys involved. Just go to the potty. It's all praise because when you start with a child who's six months old, all they want to do is please mommy and daddy. Now, once they turn one and two, they don't care about you into that level anymore. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm going to do what I want. But when they're six months old, if they make it to the potty because you're timing it and you're knowing that it's about to happen, you sit them down, they go, you go crazy. And they're looking at you like, oh, mommy loved that. Okay, I'm going to do that again. Then something clicks in their mind like, wait, I don't have to sit in that mess anymore. What people don't understand is newborns innately want to be clean when they come out the womb. And when they normally, I, lo, I know a lot of people notice this. When you have a newborn baby, every time you pull that diaper off, they start peeing on you or then they go because they're like, oh, good. I can go. I don't have anything on Constrictive, me. Yeah. Right. They want to go and not have to sit in it naturally. So it just plays off of that natural instinct to be clean. And it really works. And I detail it in this book. I made sure that it was short, sweet and to the point because I know parents are busy. Um, I'm, a I'm actually developing a, an app that will help you track um, so that you'll stay on top of um when your child has to go based off of their current pattern. So that's going to be coming out soon as well. I've been developing that for the past How, like I, seven months. You've got to be have like, it feels like you're developing like a hundred things at all times. Are you just like, a, I mean, like Leonard, you're a binder full of ideas, right? Like you just like, oh, yeah. I mean, so as we start coming out of, I mean, hopefully knock on wood coming out of this pandemic and everybody's being safe and all that. What yeah. are, I mean, because you, you sing, I actually love drag queens. Uh, you. you, you act, you do. I mean, like what, I guess, what was put on hold for you entertainment wise because of the pandemic? I mean, it seems like you have ideas out the wazoo, but like, was there something of like, damn, I was looking to do this and that kind of stopped all of that. I know the live podcast stopped. Yes. Was there any other opportunities that you're like, I got to pick this back up again when things are safe? Yes, definitely the live shows. Um, I think I'm just a person where, if I have a huge goal, I only do what will push me further with whatever that goal is. One of my biggest dreams is to be able to be a talk show host, whether it's my own show or I'm a panelist on a show. So everything I do is to always show that creative side of me, to show the speaking side of me, the hosting side of me. So you'll notice everything I do all kind of flows in that same direction of creativity. So that's mainly what it's all about for me. One of the things that definitely was held up was the live events, you know, yeah. but I was able to take that and say, okay, well, we'll just go online. I'll go ahead and reboot my Tea with Monique YouTube channel and I'll just do some live sessions every week with that. And that's been fun. So I still feel fulfilled, even though you're not doing it face to face. So I just try to keep it going and always stay, you know, productive. You are like, I mean, you are, uh, you have a natural talk show ability about you just talking with you. Would you ever consider doing something like Bravo chat room? Um, not Bravo anything, but <laughs> no, it's, oh, okay. Well, you know, what? Oh, God, I want to mend this. I mean, I just, I think you're such a talent and you're such a, I, I, okay. I, but so, 
So when you, uh, I guess, back to the reunion, then at the three-part reunion, do you walk out of there? And is it like sayonara? And was it like a really bad walkout? Or was it friendly and cordial? I mean, because it really does seem like, from your perspective, that things, bridges got burned. Um, Or you chose to walk away. Was there a sense of finality when you walked out of there? Or were you shell-shocked? I mean, what was your vibe walking out? Walking out, I felt as though I got everything off my chest. I felt resolved and what I needed to bring, but there was no resolution coming my direction from other people. Um, I'm always a person who, if there's an apology that needs to be made, or if I need to show accountability, I'm always going to do that. But when it comes to me receiving that from other people, it's non-existent. And you can't expect me to basically move on in the show where I'm basically being told by the higher ups in, in certain superiors that I have to just go with it. Well, you're not going to get the apologies you expected and you probably won't ever. So, you know, you'll just have to like get over it. Well, no, you came from my family. You came from my child. I'm not going to just get over that. So leaving the reunion wasn't, it wasn't any tension as far as I was concerned. I did what I needed to do. I showed up, I showed out and I left with my binder in my hand. Um, but it, it was the weeks after that. It was the editing of the reunion, the different three parts. It was the, the fact that they tried to paint this narrative of my husband, like he was some angry black man who was attacking women when that wasn't the case. They didn't show that the live that they put up about me and my husband, we were responding to a live that Candace went and put out there and told a whole story herself about how her and some of the ladies from the show engaged in this plot conversation to try to paint a picture as if my youngest child was not my husband's. So they know all of this, but you did not show why we responded. You tried to take that whole situation and make your own new narrative And you think I'm going to come back to your show? You're right. (laughs) I I do sometimes wonder about the, I'm like, just give it to us all. You don't have to edit it all. Just give us all 10 hours. We'll watch the whole thing. And we'll, because even like the, the, you know, the unfortunate wine incident, I was like, this is such a perfect opportunity to like, let's watch it all together. Let's bring out a big screen. Let's see where the hand gets in the face. Let's see. I'm like, cause we're looking at it. All the Bravo fans, we've watched it a thousand times. Why don't Mm -hmm. we all watch it together as an audience with all the ladies, see exactly what we're all talking about. Because I just, that was one of the parts that I was screaming at the TV when they were like, well, that didn't happen. I'm like, we've seen, there's video proof. Like we, we have it. Like you could show video right now and we could settle this thing right now, once and for all. I'm like, why don't we do this? I mean, I always just wonder if that was one of the most frustrating things, I think. And not to say yeah. Yeah, it was just frustrating as an audience member, because nobody wins in this situation at all. But I at least don't we didn't want to be gaslit into what we saw or what we didn't see, you know? Right. Right. Imagine for over a year being told that everything you're saying didn't happen by everybody. And it's only my memory and my recollection that I could go off of. And I'm just like, I felt like I was losing my mind. Cause I'm like, no, I know what happened. And then every time they would tell me it didn't happen, I would feel the gash inside of my mouth from where my tooth cut my inside of my lip because of the blunt force of the glass. It wasn't a broken glass that cut my face. You know, it was the inside of my mouth that was cut due to blunt force trauma, which I had looked at by a doctor and they confirmed it. So I'm like, I know I'm not going crazy. I know somebody deliberately hit me with a glass and I know it was her. 
So everything just happened so fast that everyone had their own different version of what went down. But when they showed it play for play in part two of the reunion, I was actually shocked that they even had my back. This has been the most intense year for a Bravo fan and viewer. Uh, I mean, because we, I mean, I remember we were what we, I mean, we were arguing about this thing and we were, it was just very different. And then you have the Erica Jane law stuff now, but it was like yeah. the pandemic got everybody intense. And I remember this was one of, I was like, it's tearing the Bravo audience apart, you know? And yes. I couldn't imagine what you were going through and, and the, the rest of the ladies, but I, everybody wants, wanted me to ask this question. I think I already know the answer hundred percent. Are you still watching the show? No, I I literally people have been tagging me on their promos, on their trailers, on their, you know, episodes. They'll tag me when people are posting and having conversation and I literally keep it on mute. I don't watch it. I really don't care to honestly. Um, I wish them the best and that's about it. Um, and then the things that I do know is when I'm scrolling and, um, people are tagging me in their comments, they're like (laughs) saying some about something about what might've happened. People think that Wendy's copying my Mila Eve Essentials company. And I'm just oh, we, like, well, she's like, she has a candle line now, by the way. She's, I didn't that understand is, what that was. Yeah. I was like, wait, is she getting into essential oils too? Or no, well, she, well, she wants to be the black Martha Stewart, she said, but you actually do have a home essential line. Uh, yeah. It's a pure therapeutic essential oils. Is it Mila Eve Essentials? Is that right? Yes. And yes. What is that exactly? So Mealy Essentials is um, it's a company that I started that sells 100% pure therapeutic essential oils. And we have other products like carrier oils, bath salts, massage oils, diffusers, and everything else. We have a skincare line coming soon. It's something that has just been a part of me. I've used essential oils for the past almost decade. People know it from watching the show. I'm very knowledgeable when it comes to using essential oils for different issues or to get relief from dif- different um, conditions. And um, and when I launched, I did a pre-launch in December, December 15th, and I was just blown away. I've literally not gone a day without a sale since December 15th. I mean, my diffusers were sold out in four days. Um, my support has been, my support and my base has been amazing to me. Um, and they really enjoy the products and I'm giving them 100% hospital grade. I'm talking about the purest essential oil you're going to get, no chemicals, and I'm giving it to you at a fraction of the cost that they're normally sold. Yeah. And I get bundles and kits so that you can have even more savings. And my whole desire is to help people. And so they understand the benefits of essential oils. Um, so it's more than making a profit to me. It's really about changing lives. And that's what Mila Eve Essentials is literally doing. Jeez, and uh, you're you uh, you're like uh, one of the. I'm trying to compare you to like you're. I mean, you're actually the Black Martha Stewart. Sorry, Wendy. Like, <laughs> you, it's, it, I mean, uh, but you know, of all your seasons on the show, and and I guess taking the last season out of it, are you? I would hope that you're proud of your time on the show, or but you did oh, yeah. able to get such a great base of of people that support you. So y- you are proud of your time on the show. I'm absolutely proud. I feel as though. However, they might want to reconfigure a narrative. I felt as though I was 100% true to myself. I gave the viewers and the fans of the show 100% Monique. I didn't hold back anything. I 100% real 100% of the time. So um, I'm very proud of what I was able to do and achieve while being on the show. I'm grateful for the platform and the opportunity. Um, I used it as best that I could for my benefit and for the benefit of those that follow me and my family. And I I feel as though I did exactly what I could have and should have done given the time that I was there. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I mean, th- yeah, that, that's awesome. Uh, so I, I hate to even even mention this, but we took such positive light from uh, T'Challa uh, last season, and it was such a joy. I mean, really, I mean, that was the best friend of character that a housewife show has ever had. And I'm so sorry for your loss. Is that something that you're still dealing with every day? And I'm so sorry to ask, but it is just so recent still. Yeah, I'm still dealing with it. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm so, no, no, I'm so sorry to, I just, that we love T'Challa so much. And there was so many, I made so many memes about T'Challa, everybody. And it was our favorites. uh, It became really quick, our favorite housewives uh, animal. And I'm not sure what happened, but I can't imagine what it is uh, you've had to deal with and, and your family has had to deal with. Yeah. It, oh my God. I miss him every day. My kids every single day. Um, I didn't realize how much of a staple he was in our family for us. He gave us so much emotional support. He was the light in our house. He really was. I feel like he was an angel that was gifted to us during the most difficult time of my life, going into a season of filming that I had no idea would be so rough on me. And then still being there for me while we're watching that same season play out. And then to see how not only my family, but everybody that watched him took to him. So many people would message me and say that I am terrified of birds, but you actually helped me conquer the fear because of seeing you and T'Challa interact. Um, People were educated about just having a bird and owning a parrot and how amazing they are as pets, how smart and intelligent they are. So I'm grateful. T'Challa was funny as hell. Yeah, he was. He was a character. And um, the thing that I guess gives me the most peace is that T'Challa was two years old. And in two years, he was able to go from, you know, a a regular parrot in a bird shop (laughs) to famous to he was he was rich. He lived a very wealthy lifestyle. <laughs> he, flew, listen, he flew away one time and had his, he had his moment to yes, like. I remember when he was lost that one time. And then right. he was, I think, I mean, I was like, I was so, I mean, that was another thing. I, you uh, got the Potomac ladies put us through everything last. I remember when that bird was lost. You put, did the, uh, the Instagram post and we were all freaking out. I think there was like search parties at one point. Um, literally, I had a man drive down from Baltimore with his drone to come help find the child. When I tell you, everybody just like helped out driving around neighborhoods, whistling, looking up at trees, looking for my baby. And did he just fly I mean, back. Did he fly back? Did he just know where the home was? was? Back. He must not have been too far. And when, and I, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but when he came back, um, there's three whistles that I do for him that he knows. So every time when I walked the neighborhood, I was doing those same whistles. When he came back the next day, he was like freaking out. He looked like he had a rough night. And he started, once he finally calmed down, he started doing those same whistles over and over, all three. So it was almost his way of telling me, I heard you, you know, I left the music on. People told me to leave music that he likes to listen to, leave it on, on the speakers. And it helped him get back. He flew right back the next day, landed in a huge tree, then couldn't fly downwards. So he flew onto the roof of our house and I ran upstairs to the deck. I moved his perch so that he would be able to fly diagonally to the perch. And that's when we got him back. That bird is amazing. He lived a full life that most people probably don't even ever get to live in the matter of two oh, years. I said, I said that T'Challa lived a better life than I did so far. And I've been around oh my here for gosh. a long time. Oh, what, wait, what was T'Challa's favorite music? What is he? What is he a Backstreet Boys guy? What is he? What does he, he listen loves, to? He loves opera. 
Oh, okay. We listen to opera all the time. And he literally, I posted a video. It might be on his his Instagram. Um, But I posted a video of him. I would play the opera music and then he would whistle it behind it. Like it was hilarious. Like he loved opera music. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Well, that's amazing. Um, So we start winding down because this has been amazing and I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. Uh, I guess uh, on a lighter note, how much would it, how much money would I have to raise to buy the binder? Oh my gosh. You know, I don't really know what I want to do with that binder just yet. I know Andy (laughs) wants it for the museum and, you know, it's just sitting at home and it's just waiting. Is it in a a safe? Is it in a safe? Wait, what room is it in? Just so we know. It's in a very safe, discreet place. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, it's just waiting for me to make a decision as to what I want to do with it. Maybe I'll end up mailing it to Andy and, and just letting him take it. I don't know if I want to keep all of the original paperwork inside of it, just because it had a lot of personal information of something. That's people. what I was going to ask is that, was it like, you know, two sheets of actual information and then you filled it with a hundred blank sheets just to oh, scare no. people or was it all actual? Of those, all of that, all of that, that was in that binder. It was actual paperwork printed out and everything else. And, you know, I did binder time stories because of the fact that people kept saying they wanted to see what was in the binder. They wanted more of the binder. So I said, I'll give you a little bit. And then you kind of, I'll give you clues. And then you figure out which, which is real, which is fake, which is, you know, about whichever person and just have fun with it. And it was nice because it was closure for me. And, um, and it was a fun little project. And when I was done, I finally like sealed the deal on housewives and I've, been just much freer and and amazing and happy since. <laughs> so you you've agreed to entrust the binder to me. Is that what I'm hearing? You're gonna know it to, I, I, I don't know. What it's, I think uh, about it. I think about what it. What is, is was there a is was there a silly one in there that you can give us? Was there like a, this one's for fun? But also you're known for saying like the slinging is big D all around. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Which by the way, I I always say this on the podcast. Don't ever say slinging big D, say slinging small D, because if you say big D, that's a compliment. Like, don't go, like, all I hear is big D, and then I'm like, oh, great, now you complimented his unit, and now everybody's going to want to, you got to go slinging small D around, you know? I was like in the heat of the moment and it was funny because people were like, well, how do you know it's big? And I'm like, well, I make the assumption that it is. If he got all <laughs> the women that all of these women are giving it to him, it must be doing something. Who knows? I don't know what size it is. <laughs> you, do, you take any, do you take any? Well, I don't think you do. But like we just got it just came out that he potentially owes a lot of money in back taxes. Uh, did you read that? Did you have any reaction to that? Or is that just? karma or whatever yeah you know i saw it and um you know a lot of people even in the church community were upset that i would go after a quote-unquote pastor but at the end of the day if you're a fraud you're a fraud and even if you're a pastor you can be a fraud and you should be held accountable especially because you're a pastor over people who are following you you should be you should be even more on point to keep your stuff together but once you start peeling back the layer and you start exposing what needs to be exposed other things start coming out too. So this is just what he gets. This is his karma. That's how the world works. He tried to make statements about my husband that weren't true. He tried to allude on oh, the yeah, he did the He did the live too. Yeah. Where he brought out a, yes, now. Okay. Yes. He brought yes, out. A he went yeah. on the church's Facebook, went live and then lied on my husband and told the his church. church to watch the reunion to see things that never happened, you know? Um, so at the end of the day, when you, when you put out that type of energy, you're going to get it back, you know? So at the end of the day, I gave out the energy that was handed to me. 
He was collateral damage the same way my son was collateral damage when when Giselle decided to put my son's name in her mouth. So I don't feel bad about it. He's going to continue to get what he deserves and he'll continue to be exposed. And they don't seem to be upset about doing it um, with, when it comes to Bravo. So, oh, well, good riddance. I'll, I'll never understand people with actual like uh, people that uh, help people with sin when they have their own moral issues. I'll never understand. Right. Like, you know, it's like it's like, well, shouldn't you take care of yourself first and then help other? I mean, like Thank it's just you. a weird situation. Um, and then finally, uh, it came out. Nicki Minaj is a fan of the show as and you as well. And she potentially wants to host the reunion. Is there any way? I bet. Can we get Nikki to reach out to you? And you're like a surprise guest. I know you're going to say no. <laughs> I know you're going to say no, but it would no. be amazing. I love, I love Nikki. I actually, so season three reunion, remember season one after my, I'm sorry, season two, my first season after I, I did the rap, I had another rap season three and production and the network told me that I could not do the rap because it was too shady. So in 2018, I took to Instagram and I gave my rap to the people. And I said, this was supposed to be what I did on reunion, but they wouldn't let me. And I rapped over Nicki Minaj's uh, Chung Lee beat, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of, you know, flattery going on. People are definitely copying me because I heard that they did the <laughs> same thing and they tried to rap over Nicki's beat for a promo or something. And I was like, I already did that. They late. You will always keep uh, rising to the top. So uh, uh, Monique Samuel, I mean, I have like 8 billion more questions, but hopefully you'll come back another time because you, I know absolutely. you got to get out here for another, another one. I'm going to post all of her information on her thousand different projects that she's working on, <laughs> but you got the essential oils. You got not for lazy moms. you got the potty training book. You have so many things to support her with. She has spent so much time with us today. So we want to make sure we show her the love, even though I know she's very loved already. Um, uh, and hopefully uh, you guys that wherever you fall on this great debate that we've been having the last year between certain ladies in Potomac, hopefully you listen to this with open ears and uh, hear what a, a great interview in person you are. So Monique, thank you so much for spending this time with yeah. us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I will definitely be back. Betches.